All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's share. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Tevis Yol and Sarah Kelman in honor of the birth of their daughter, Oriya Tahel, and in the Schos, that Amir Tashem, all those davening for children should have their tefillos answered Bekarov. To thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating the Shurim this month in honor of their grandchildren, Adin Svi and Naftali Moshe. Thanks Shirley Elbaum and family for dedicating the Shiurim this month, the creation of the yard site of Shirley's husband, Jerry Elbaum, Yaakov Kapal Ben, Rabavram Menachem. And to thank our week of learning sponsors, Paul and Kathy Pollock, in memory of Paul's sister, Leah Bas Shmuel, during the week of her yard site on the 11th of Teves. And to thank our Dafyomi sponsors today, Alan and Andrea Stowis, in commemoration of the yard site of Alan's father, Menachem Mendel Ben Avram, Nasan Zichon of the We hope that the merit of our Tamatora, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and their families in Nacham. And I will say with that, let us begin. Shechianu, Vikiyamanu, Vihigianu. We are about to begin the exciting adventure of the last Daf of Mesechas Tainus. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. So we'll say, let's begin. Today's daf is Lamed Aleph, 31. We are picking up Emirat Hashem on the bottom of Lamed Amud Beis. Or, yeah, we'll call it the bottom. So Rabbi Huda Mechai, middle of Lamed Amud Beis. Rabbi Huda Mechai, B'Kfiyas Amitah. So we'll say, if you see, if you see Tosfus Amar Rava, Amar Rava, Kitana Didan, Lohod Lohachamim, right across in there in the Gemara. So we'll say, very interesting story. Rabbi Huda Mechai, B'Kfiyas Amitah, Lohod Lohachamim. Rabbi Huda required the overturning of the bed. So remember again, Kfiya Samit Rabosai is one of the concepts that we have by Avelos. By Avelos, which is literally the overturning of a bed. So Rabbi Huda said that on Tishabav, you're obligated to overturn the bed, but the Chachamim did not agree with this position. Says the Gimartanya, Amrulo, Rabbi Huda, Lidvarecha, Ubros, Umenikos, Matealehen. So says Rabbi Huda, well, what should pregnant or nursing women do? Right at the end of the day, sleeping on the floor, overturning the bed is going to be quite difficult for them. Rabbi says, you're right, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not saying that pregnant women and, and nursing women should do that. I'm saying when able, when able to go ahead and overturn the bed, one should say, just by the way, the, as I mentioned, the concept of kfiya samita is not a concept you need to teach about. It's a concept in Avelos. The Geshra Chaim explains why would they overturn their bed? Like, what, is, what does that mean, overturning your bed? So it's actually very interesting. The Geshra Chaim posits, he says that often they had mattresses that were made of straw, different materials like that, which over time when you would sleep in it would assume human form, would assume like the form of your body. What do they call these kind of mattresses? Like a... Uh, Memory foam, good, right? So Talmudic memory foam, except it was straw, right? So, 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 so interestingly enough, so the concept of kviyas samita is death is the erasure of the human form. So overturning the bed, overturning the bed represents this same idea of erasure of the human form. So and this applies, we'll see this in Moit Cotton. The Mar talks about this by Hilchos Avelos, of Kfiyah Samita. Rabbi Huda says the same Allah applies by Tishabal. Okay, so Chum say, I, what about Ubros Menikos? To which Rabbi Huda says, Rabbi Huda says, look, I also don't hold that everyone should do it. Just those who are able to do it should do it. A bride said that supports this. That Rabbi Huda agrees with the Chachamim that if somebody can't sleep on the floor, right, or somebody can't sleep on an overturned bed, don't, don't. But the Chachamim agree with Rabbi Huda with someone who is able to. So someone who is able to do Kfiyah Samita, even the Chachamim will agree that they should do so. If that's the case, that they really pretty much agree, right? They, they pretty much agree. So then what exactly? There clearly is a machlokas, because there's a machlokas recorded in the Mishnah, my benayhu, ika benayhu sharmitos. We'll say, interesting. Then after the point of contention between them, ultimately, again, are the other beds in the house. In other words, is there a din of kfiya samita on beds that people aren't sleeping on? Right, beds that people aren't sleeping on. Kiddisanya, as we learned, Kisha Amru Lichbos Hamita, Lomitasa, Bilvatu Kofa, Ela Kola Mitos Kulanu Kofa. But as the Raisa says, 
when we speak about the concept of Kfiya Samito overturning the bed, it's not just the bed that the mourner or that the individual is sleeping on, but rather you overturn all the beds in the house. So this would be the point of contention. Rabbi Huda would hold that you overturn all beds. I will say, which, I mean, let's say for argument's sake, a person has a guest room, right? I'm not sleeping in the guest room. So is there a din of kfiya samita? Is there a din of overturning a bed that I'm not using? Rabbi Huda would hold that all beds are overturned. All beds in the house are overturned. The Rabbana would say, no, only the bed you're using is overturned. So the Gemara says, No, the halacha follows our Tana as expressed in the Mishnah. And as expressed in the Mishnah, our Tana does not agree with Rabbi Yehuda at all. So our Tana holds that on Tisha B'av, there is no din of Kfiya Samita. There is no halacha of overturning the bed. And I will say that is indeed how we paskin. If you look at Rashi, sorry, Tosis. Tosa says something very interesting. So Tosa says, Rava says, the halacha follows the Tan of our Mishnah. And the Tan of Mishnah holds there is no obligation of Kfiya Samita on Tisha B'av at all. There's no obligation. That interestingly, Tosa adds in over here, Va'idna Techashina Likshafim, Lo Avdinan Kfiya Samita Va'filu Ba'avel. So we'll say, this is very interesting. So apparently, apparently, at some point in time, for some reason, the practice of overturning the bed was interpreted by our Gentile neighbors as a form of sorcery and witchcraft, which again, put the Jew in peril, and therefore the practice was discontinued. Therefore, says Tosis, we don't do Kfiya Samita at all today, even by Hilchos Avelos. Again, we'll see this in Moid Cotton, that originally overturning of the bed was one of the practices of Avelos, just like not wearing leather shoes, just like not sitting on a regular chair, right? Turning over the bed was part of the rituals of mourning. But apparently, says Tosis, it was discontinued because for some reason it was understood or misinterpreted as a form of witchcraft. Or sorcery. It's just fascinating. There's no Kfiya Samita by Avel. There's no Kfiya Samita ultimately by Tisha B'av as well. Now, again, as I mentioned when we did the Mishnah, the Shulchan Aruch Mishnah do quote opinions who say that there's a Midas Chasidos to sleep on the floor, or the Mishnah says to sleep without your pillow on the night of Tisha B'av. In other words, to do something, to do something to make one's sleep a bit less comfortable on the night of Tisha B'av. Incredible. Amr So we'll say now we transition to the last part of the Masechta, which is really, which is really quite incredible. Amr Rav Tovim Asar Ba'av say such a beautiful Gemara. So Hashem says, there are no happier days, no greater Yavim Tovim for Klav Yisrael than Yom Kippur and the 15th of Av. So it says the Gemara, I don't understand. Bishlama Yom Mishum Mechila. I understand why Yom Kippur is a great Yom Tiv. Why? Because Yom Kippur is a day of incredible forgiveness. A day of incredible forgiveness. Right? Why? Shinit Nubo Luchos Ha'achronos. Because the second set of luchos were given on the Kibbutz. And I both say, it's interesting because sometimes people read this Gemara as espousing two different ideas. But it's one idea. What's the Simcha of Yom Kippur? The Simcha of Yom Kippur is that it is a day, is a day of forgiveness. How do you know that Yom Kippur is a day of forgiveness? Because Yom Kippur was the day that we were given the second set of tablets, which was... The physical, right, the physical manifestation of divine forgiveness for the sin of the golden calf, for the chayta egel. But we'll say, if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, Rashi you can look at this Rashi, and Rashi goes through the dates, right? Rashi explains how we know that Yom Kippur was the day that Moshe Rabbeinu descended from Mount Sinai, from Sinai with the second set of luchos. But if you look at the last like six lines of Rashi. Rashi says, this is so beautiful. On the morning of Yom Kippur, Moshe Rabbeinu came down. The morning of Yom Kippur, which is the 10th of Tishrei, Moshe Rabbeinu came down. That day, this is incredible. When Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Luchos on the 10th of Tishrei, 
It was then that the day was established as Yom HaKippurim, as the Day of Atonement. This is incredible. You see, what Rashi is saying over here is, what made Yom Kippur Yom Kippur? Right? What made Yom Kippur into a day of slicha umechilo? What made it into a day of forgiveness? What made it into a day of forgiveness was the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai with the second set of luchos, which again, those second set of luchos was the sign that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had forgiven us. Once Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the second set of luchos, then Yom Kippur was established as a day of forgiveness. Now, now watch this. I'll show you something amazing. Take a look at Tosus. We are finishing the Masechta today, by the way. Take a look at Tosus. Take a look at Tosus. So we'll say, if you look at the end of Tosus, I'm sorry, the last Tosus. Yom, she, Yom Shebo Kalum, oh no, sorry, sorry, not yet. No, we'll come to that Tosus, even though, again, that Tosus is going to be a little bit related to this, we'll leave that. So we'll say, it turns out, by the way, it turns out, by the way, that, that, that Yom Kippur itself, the identity of Yom Kippur, as the Slicha Umechila, was not present before they're bringing down to the second set of tablets. The identity of the day is concretized and solidified by that event. So says the Gemara, I understand why Yom Kippur is a day of, of Simcha. A Simcha. But Elotuba Av, Mai, Brat Gemara, what's the social about the 15th of Av? What's the social? Both say, now watch this. The Gemara is going to go through a whole bunch of reasons why Tuba Av is a Yom Tov. This is so beautiful. So first, first answer. Both say it was the day, Tuba Av was the day that it was decided that the Shvatim are permitted to intermarry. Now they both say, why can't Shvatim intermarry? This goes back to the story of Benos Tzlafkad. What's the, da- the quote unquote, the danger in allowing Shvatim tribes to intermarry? Is you're going to end up messing up tribal, we'll call it tribal real estate allocations, right? Because remember, again, every Shevet has its own land in Eretz Yisrael. Here's where it becomes a problem. Let's say a woman from Shevet Binyamin marries a man from Shevet Yehuda. And this woman happens to be an only child. An only child, no sons, no sons. When her father dies, she will inherit her father. Well, if she inherits her father, property, the property becomes hers. If she then predeceases her husband, or for that matter, even if she doesn't predecease her husband, her children will inherit her. Well, her children are from Shevet Yehuda. Her property is from Shevet Binyamin, which then turns out that tribal property of Binyamin can be transferred over to Yehuda. So, in, so at first they said, marry within your tribe. There's a big pool. There's a big pool. Find a nice guy within your tribe. Parents still give this advice to their children today, right? Not within your tribe. So the Gemara says, so if you said the name of Shmuel, then Ba'av was the day when they allowed ultimately again people to intermarry into different tribes. So the Gemara said, My Darush, what are they dashing to allow this? Because the Pasik, the Pasik by Beno Slavcha said, this was the thing that Hashem commanded to the daughters of Tzlavchad, and the advice, what he commanded the daughters of Tzlavchad was, marry within your tribe. So they darshan, it was only to that generation, only to the daughters of Tzlavchad, which will say also makes sense. When you're establishing, when you're establishing every tribe's portion, you don't want to stir the pot before things are solidified. But after that generation, inter, inter-tribal marriages will be permitted. So that was a great scene. I'll just point out over something very interesting. I saw a beautiful piece by the Novominsker and the Novominsker Paskins that although, although, although you could marry into other tribes, if a woman was an only child, she would forfeit her inheritance. In other words, that you could intermarry, you could intermarry, but you cannot move land from one tribe to another. So again, I just want to point out tribal continuity, tribal geographic continuity was maintained. So you can marry whoever you want, 
But in certain circumstances, what might end up happening is you would forfeit your inheritance by marrying into another tribe. Okay, beautiful. Says the Gemara. Next, Rav Yosef Amr. Rav Yosef Amr. Nachman. Yom Shehuter Shevet Binyamin Lava Bakal. Incredible. Tuba'av was the day in which the tribe of Binyamin was permitted to marry into the general population of Klal Yisrael. We'll say, what is this referring to? This is referring to the episode of Pilegesh Begiva. There was a very traumatic story, literally again about a woman who was, who was raped and ultimately died at the hands of the men of Shevet Binyamin. She was abused by the men of Shevet Binyamin. And her, her husband, who himself was no great tzaddik, right? Her husband, because he kicked her out of the house, wouldn't let her back in the house. Right? Her husband was so incensed about this, he dismembered her body, cut her up into 12 pieces, sent her to the Shvatim, and said, look what happened to my wife at the hands of Binyamin. The tribes went to war against, it's a traumatic story, against Sheva Binyamin, and there was a ban, there was a ban against allowing anyone to marry into Sheva Binyamin. That ban was lifted on Tuba'av. Was lifted on Tuba'av. Shenemar, the Ish Yisrael Mishpah Bemitzvah. Leimar, Ish Mimenu lo yitain bita lo binyamin li Isha. Maidrosh, Amarav Mimenu, Valomi Banenu. So we'll say ultimately they darshan. This ban was a one generation ban. A one generation ban. And therefore, again, after, the, after one generation had gone by, they allowed, inter, they allowed people to remarry into Shevion. So we'll say, what you begin to see is something very interesting. What's, what's the common denominator so far between the first two reasons? Achdos. Achdos, allowing the tribes to marry into each other, allowing Shevet Binyamin back into the union, that the Simcha of Tu Ba'ab is a Simcha of unity. Again, we'll see that theme. We're going to kind of take a detour from that theme, but then we'll see other ideas that loop back to this. Incredible. So, Amar Rav, Arachan, Rabbi Yochanan. Yom Shekalu Bomei Midbar. We'll say this is wild. Tuba'av is the day. Tuba'av is the day where Mesei Midbar. We'll say Mesei Midbar were the Jews who were destined to die in the desert. Remember again, as a result of the sin of the spies, it was decreed that anyone over the age of twenty will die in the desert. Tuba'av was the day when it was when Tuba'av in the fortieth year. In the fortieth year was when they realized that the decree was effectively over. Now, why Tuba Avrabo said this is wild? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Shekalu may say midbar, Tisanya kalar boim shana ba shahayub midbar, b'chal erev tishabav, haya kruz yotze, v'omer tsu'u lachpar, v'haya kol echad v'echad yotze v'chofra lo kever, v'yashin bo, shema yomos kodim shiyachbar. Rabbi said this is wild. What would happen every single night, every single night of Tisha B'Av? Because remember again, going back to yesterday's daf, remember what made Tisha B'Av a trim, the first event, the first event that created calendrical, calendrical tragedy on Tisha B'Av was the sin of the spies. Spies come back on Erev Tisha B'Av on the 8th, deliver their report. Kali saw cries on the night of the ninth. So what happened every year in the desert on Tisha B'Av? Listen to this. If you are above the age of 20, I'll say, listen to this. If you're above the age of 20, you dug a grave. You dug a grave. And the night of Tisha B'Av, you slept in that grave. You slept in that grave. Because at the end of the day, remember again, there were too many people dying every year on Tisha B'Av. Too many people dying every year on Tisha B'Av. To be, and there was, a, there was a fear that if too many people died and graves were not dug, that could really be a disaster. So you do, if you were above the age of 20, you dug your own grave the night of Tisha B'Av. And you slept there. The next morning, The next morning, somebody got up, made an announcement, let the living stand up. And whoever was alive stood up. And whoever wasn't alive didn't stand up. Every single year they did this. Listen to this. In the 40th year, in the 40th year, says Rashi, Something strange happened in year number 40. What happened? The next morning, what occurred? What occurred? Everyone stood up. Everyone stood up. So they thought, well, maybe we made a mistake with the calendar. So they did this for a bunch of nights until when? Until the 15th of Av. See, once the 15th of Av came, they realized we can't be making a mistake. How do we know we're not making a mistake? Look at the moon. The moon's full. 
Bemutful. So it's clearly the middle of the month. The Chevan Sherosh and Ismala Halavana Batuba Bitas Bitasvov, Velomes Echamehem, Yadu Shechesh Bon Chodash Mechovan, the Kvarnem Shonashal Gzira Nishlumu, Kavu Oso, Kol Kavu Oso, La Osa Yom Yomtov. So we'll say that year, Tubaav, on the 40th year in the desert, no one died that Tishabov. Everyone got up the next morning and they kept doing this over and over and over until the 15th of Av. Morning of the 15th of Av, or night of the 15th of Av, they see the moon is full. We're not making a mistake with the calendar. It must be that the Gzeira has come to an end. They made a Yamtif. They made a Yamtif. The Gzeira of the Miraglim had come to an end. New dawn, new day, new generation, new possibilities. We're both saying, Tosa says something absolutely amazing. Tosa says that based on this, based on this, what do you see? He says, if you look at the, if you look at the, if you look at the last couple lines of Tosa, Perish Rashbam, call a memsham lo hayu mesim ela betes ba'av. Ubechol tes ba'av hayu mesim chaf alef elef a prut prut. Shabbos says, listen to this. Tosa says, based on this, in the desert during the 40 years, no one ever died except on Tishabav. And every Tishavav, 21,000 people and a little bit died. Every year, 21,000 people and a little bit, because that's the Cheshben. 21,000 people and a little bit died. When Farshasam, the also put, put all of the Memshan of the Tesvav Elef, the Yeshafarshra, Mesim Chalim. So we'll say, Tosas then quotes another opinion that no, people did die every single day in the desert. The majority of people died in the church. So we'll say, just a fascinating historical machlokas. First opinion in Tosis, people only died on Tishabov. They only died on Tishabov. And 21,000, prut prut, and a bit, died every single Tishabov. 21,000 a bit. A second opinion, no, people died every day in the desert also. People died every day, old age, whatever else. But the majority of people only died on the ninth of Av. Pretty incredible. So let's go by to So therefore, again, another reason why they made Tuba Av into a Yom Div is because, again, it was the day. We'll say, even though it sounds strange to make a Yom Div because people stopped dying. But remember, again, it doesn't just represent that people stopped dying. It represents the end of a decree. But the end of a decree also represents what? A new beginning. Rebbe say, you know what this is reminiscent of? Exactly. Lagba Omer. Right? Right? It's interesting. What do we celebrate on Lagba Omer? The Ramah says, Oh, Rabbi Akiva's students stopped dying. Really? Like that, that's, you, by the way, you know why Rabbi Akiva's students stopped dying? Do you know why they stopped dying? Because there was no one left. Right? In other words, it's not the shot they stopped dying and some were saved. They were all gone. They were all gone. 24,000 Tamidim were all gone. We'll say, but sometimes when the difficult chapter of life comes to an end, you know that something beautiful and magnificent is beginning. The scars and the wounds, the trauma is still fresh. But I also know that now that the period of trauma has closed, something else that is incredible is about to open. And the ability to celebrate a new beginning in the aftermath of trauma, ain simcha gidola mizo. There is no better simcha than that. So yes, on Tuba'ab, when we realize that the Xera of the Miraglim, the decree of the Miraglim, had effectively come to an end, that means that we're going into Eretz Yisrael. That means that there's a new beginning. That means that something magnificent is about to happen. The ability to celebrate in the aftermath of trauma is the greatest yomtev there is. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, furthermore, so the Gemara says, mar, Furthermore, so the Gemara essentially addresses this. What is it that we're celebrating? Because as long as, as long as the decree was in effect and the generation of the desert were still dying, literally it sounds like Hashem didn't speak with Moshe. Now Rashi points out over here, Hashem did speak with Moshe, but it wasn't biyichud u'bechiba. It wasn't a loving exchange with Moshe. It wasn't a warm exchange with Moshe Rabbeinu as long as the decree of the spies was still hovering over Klai. So we'll say, it's a third reason. 
Third reason, ultimately, again, the generation of the desert finishes dying out. HaKadosh Baruch Hu begins to speak with Moshe Rabbeinu with love and with connection. Again, celebration of a new future in the aftermath of trauma. Incredible yamtiv. Next, Ula Amar, Yom Shebit al ben Ela, what else happened on Tuba'av? Hoshe ben Ela, who was the last king over the Malchus of Yisrael, he removed the sentries which blocked people from going up to Yushai. Remember, we made reference to this yesterday. Yerav ben Nevat, who was the first king over Malchus Yisrael, right? When the kingdom divided between Yehuda and Yisrael, Yeravam ben Nevat was the first new king of Yisrael to solidify his manner. He started out as a good man, but power corrupted him. To solidify his power, he, he prevented people from being all that regal to the Beis HaMikdash. Because he felt that people are going to be, if people are going to go to the Beis HaMikdash, I'm going to lose my hold on them. So what does he do? He posts sentries. He posts sentries. So we'll say, so Hoshea ben Elah removed them. Now, Hoshea ben Elah wasn't such a tzaddik. Hoshea ben Elah said, just pretty much like, worship whoever you want, right? You want to worship idolatry, worship idolatry. Want to worship God, worship God. I'm not telling people who and what to worship. So that's another reason. But again, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, halach lamaisa, we had the opportunity to go to Beis say Now, the, the tragic postscript was, we didn't go, right? The tragic postscript was, even when Hoshea ben Elah Remove the centuries. It's not like there was a mass, uh, mass. Uh, what's the word? Um, you know, Ali al-Regal, right there, there, there. There just wasn't. There just wasn't. After generations, essentially, of not going, we just didn't go. But in any event, what do you see from here? Sometimes the greatest yamtiv is the celebration of opportunities, right? It's interesting. Nothing actually changed. When Hoshea ben Ela removed the centuries, right? Lemaisa, it's not like traffic increased until the base of Mikdash, but there was opportunity. Sometimes the greatest yomtiv in life is a celebration of brand new opportunities. Whether we take them or not, that's up to us. Rav Masna Amar, Yom Shenasnu Haruge Beitar Lekvura. Rav say this is incredible. Rav Masna says, what happened on Tu Ba'av? Tu Ba'av was the day in which we were finally permitted to bury the dead of Betar. We spoke about this before. Betar was destroyed on the 9th of Av, and it was on Tuba Av that we were given the opportunity, two years later, right, to go ahead and bury the dead. The dead were left unburied. Remember again, Betar was the last holdout of the Bakoch for rebellion. We were finally given the opportunity to bury the dead. And I was saying a miracle occurred that the dead did not decompose. Animals did not pick at the dead. Vamrav Masna, that day in which we were permitted to finally bury Haruge Beitar, Tsiknu Biyavna Hatova Hametiv. They both said, listen to this, they instituted the Bracha of Hatova Hametiv. The Bracha of Hatova Hametiv is the fourth Bracha of benching. Right? They instituted that Bracha of Hatova Hametiv. Right? Hatov Shalo Esrichu, Hashem is good in that He did not allow the bodies to decompose. Vahametiv Shenatnu Likvura. And ultimately, again, he bestows good in that he allowed them ultimately again to be buried. I will just point out something very interesting that I saw. That interestingly enough, we know that the bracha v'atova metiv, the bracha v'atova metiv, is also said over wine, right? Different. Remember again, the atova metiv that we're referring to over here is the fourth bracha in benching that was instituted as a as a gratitude to Hashem for allowing the dead of Beta to be brought to burial. But you also say the bracha v'atov ametiv. We'll say when you drink wine. Now again, it's not just any wine, but let's say you're drinking white wine, and then you bring red wine to the table. You make an additional bracha of hatov v'ametiv. So the Mishnah Bura quotes Rabbeinu Bachye, who says, "Why do we make hatov v'ametiv on wine?" Right? The bracha v'atov ametiv is related to the bracha of haruge beitar. And the Mishnah Bura says something amazing. Quote Rabbeinu Bachye, who says that at the end of the day, because when a person drinks wine. Sometimes again, it may be like Kalos Rosh, wine can lead to lightheadedness. I don't mean how you feel, but the type of behavior, right? It could lead to light, 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 lightheaded behavior. Chazal instituted a bracha of on wine that reminds us of Betar. 
that reminds us of dying al Kiddush Hashem. So that that way, when a person drinks wine, they'll drink wine with the proper COVID rosh and won't allow the alcohol to chas v'shalom lead them to inappropriate behavior. Quite incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. Rabbah Rav Yosei Dermar Tarvayu Yom Shepaskum Yilichlos Itzulam Aracha. Rav Yosei, isn't this beautiful? What happened on Tu Ba'av? What happened on Tu Ba'av? It was the day when we stopped chopping wood for the Mizbeach, or for the pyre, literally. Again, it was the day in which we celebrated that there was enough wood in the Lishka Sa'itzim to take us through the winter. Now, I will say, now, why do you stop then? Because at Tu Ba'av, at that point in time, from that point forward, the strength of the sun diminishes. Because the strength of the sun diminishes, the wood isn't as dry as it right going forward, and therefore there's a concern that it becomes wormy. So we accumulate wood in the base of prior to Tuba'av, but post Tuba'av, we're no longer chopping wood and putting it in the Lishka Sa'itim because there's going to be too much moisture in the wood. So we'll say, what do we celebrate on Tuba'av? That there is enough wood, there is enough wood in the base of So we'll say, what's the celebration? Because it's a good celebration when you have everything you need in life to kindle the requisite fire of Avodah Hashem, right? When I know that I've got enough wood in the storehouse to kindle the fire of Avodah Hashem, that's a yomtiv. When I know that I've acquired for myself enough fuel for the fire for the months ahead, ain yomtiv gedolim So we'll say, okay, well, let's finish. The Gemara says, Mikan Ultimately, again, the strength of the sun is diminished. And they would not cut any more wood for the Beis Ultimately, again, because the wood is no longer dry enough. Ram Nashia says, They used to call it the day of the broken axe. Right? In other words, that we were no longer chop wood from Tu Ba'av and on. So the Gemara says, by the way, we'll say also from Tu Ba'av and on is when the days get shorter and the nights get longer. Mikan ve'elach, demosif Yosef. I will say from here on in, and this is very shayach to us, demosif Yosef, he who adds Torah learning onto his nights, ultimately again will be given extra days. Udolo Mosif, but he who does not add on extra Torah learning to his nights, from the period of time where the nights become longer than the days, a person has to add Torah onto their nights. Demosif, Yosef. If you add on more Torah to your nights, you'll be given more days. Udolomosif, Yosef. And a person ultimately, again, who does not add on Torah to his nights, Ultimately, again, Yasef literally means will be collected. So the Gemara says, what does that mean? My Yasef, Amrav Yosef, Tik Ime, his mother will bury him, which will say means an untimely death. So we'll say it's a very profound Gemara because what the Gemara is saying is, and it's very shy to us now, because right this time of year, the nights are longer, right? Long nights. When it's long nights, you have to add on more Torah to nights. Now, the good part is about coming to Shear is that you're coming to show while it's still nights, right? So it actually counts, right? It counts. So th- this is actually a good argument to coming on time to shear. Because a person comes on time to shear, mamish, a person is adding on Torah during, no, all, in all seriousness, adding on all Torah to their nights. So the, the idea that the Gemara is saying is, you know, when the days are longer, you have to maximize your days. When the nights are longer, you have to maximize your nights. Whatever it is, right? Winter, summer, you got to maximize whatever it is that is longer. If you maximize your time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will increase your time. You don't maximize your time, well, HaShachash Baruch give me longevity. We'll say, longevity is only given to those who utilize, the good Gemara is saying, longevity is given to those who maximize their time. If a person doesn't maximize their time, why should I give you longevity? What, what, what are you using it for? To enjoy more? To, to have more pleasure? What, 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 what am I using my time for? So I'm say, it, it's, it, it's such a tifa moser. It's such a strong idea that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gives time to those who maximize that time. But if I don't maximize my time, then what right do I have to ask for more of it? So I'm say, and just point out, this, this ends the discussion of Tu Ba'ab. So I just want to point out something amazing. So we have one, two, three, four, five, five different opinions, uh, six different opinions as to why Tu Ba'ab is a yamtiv. What I just want to point out to you is it's not mutually exclusive. Right? In other words, all the reasons 
work beautifully in concert together. So whether ultimately, again, the Shvatim were permitted to marry into each other. Benyamin is allowed back into the union. In which case, Tu Ba'av is a celebration of Achdus. Or ultimately, again, it was the day in which the generation of the desert, Chetam Araglim, came to an end. We're not celebrating the cessation of death, but rather we're celebrating again the re-energized relationship at has with Moshe Rabbeinu, and we're celebrating new opportunities in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. That's a simcha. Or the other possibility is again, Yahushua ben Ela took away the centuries. Right? What are we celebrating? The greatest celebration of life is opportunities. Right? We'll say the greatest thing in life is to know you have opportunities. So Yahushua ben Ela removes the centuries, new opportunities. Ultimately, again, Rav Masna, the dead of Betar were buried. Same idea. Bury the dead, bury the dead. Nurse, right? Close out the wounds of the past so that you have the ability to build a beautiful future. Rabban, Rav Yosef, there's enough wood in the base of Mikdash. Greatest celebration is to know that you have built up enough fuel inside of yourself to kindle your fire. Demosif, Yosef, you want more time from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Make sure you can honestly say that you're maximizing the time that you have been given. Remember again, the last part of the Gemara, last part of the Gemara, talked about this interesting process that, seemed, that, that happened on, that happened on Tuba'av. And what happened on Tuba'av? The girls would go out to dance in the vineyard. So what exactly is going on over here? So we'll say this is actually quite beautiful. So we'll say, so the good, right? So we'll say, remember again, the Mishnah said all the girls would borrow clothing from each other in order that no one should feel left out, that even if someone who didn't have would be able to borrow from someone else. So So the daughter of the king borrows from the daughter of the Kohen Gadol. Bas Kohen Gadol mi Baskan. The daughter of the Kohen Gadol bar- bar- borrows from the daughter of the assistant Kohen Gadol, the Skan. Bas Skan mi Bas Mashuach Mochama. The daughter of the Skan borrows from the daughter of the Mashuach Mochama, the Kohen who's anointed for battle. Ubas Mashuach Mochama mi Bas Kohen Hedyot. And the daughter, the daughter of the Kohen Mashuach Mochama would borrow from the daughter of a regular coin. They both say, and everybody would borrow from each other. In order that no one should be embarrassed. They both say, what's fascinating about this? In other words, if you're going to say no one should be embarrassed, so what should happen? What should happen? Right? What should happen? Right? Let, every, right? Let it be a gemach, a clothing gemach. But say, it's interesting, because as much as the one should be embarrassed, who does the daughter of the king borrow from? The daughter of the coin God. In other words, we'll say, you see, what is important is, not everyone is the same. Not everyone is the same. The daughter of the king is not like the daughter of a regular person. It's not like the daughter of a coin god. In other words, that this, this notion sometimes that we have that everybody's equal and everybody, I should say it differently, everybody is equal, but not everybody is the same. And this is so incredibly important. Everybody has their own role. Everyone has their own tachlis. And yes, certain people have their particular stations in life, which makes them different than other people. Again, there is an equality in that every single person is absolutely important. But there is no such thing that everyone is the same. See, even though we're going to have everybody go out and borrow from each other, the daughter of the king doesn't borrow from the daughter of just the regular regular girl. Right? She, 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 she goes down one step. She goes down one step. She'll borrow from the daughter of the queen Gadol because the preservation of different roles and different responsibilities and different offices and different stations is incredibly important within Kalal Yisrael. The will say, think about it just, just a second. Can everybody be a coin Gadol? Can everybody be a coin Gadol? What happens if everybody be a coin Gadol? What would happen? What would happen? There's no minion at the Levaya, right? That, that, that's what happens. You can't have everybody being the same. But that being said, there are different stations, there are different roles, there are different responsibilities. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, So I'm sorry, So remember again, because everybody's borrowing from each other, you also have to immerse all the garments because it's possible that maybe some of the garments have become ritually impure. Even if there's a garment that's folded up and put away, so it was clearly again laundered, no one wore it, you still have to immerse it. In other words, Halacha Halacha 
Every article of clothing requires immersion. Again, this is just an order not to embarrass anyone. Beautiful. So, said the girls would go out and dance in the vineyards. Tana, Misha Inlo Isha Nifna Lasham. I will say, why are the girls going out to the vineyard? This is a singles event. This is, I will say, this is a singles event. I'm going to say, tell you something shocking. Shocking. There are no Shadchanim. <gasps> Oh my gosh, people actually met each other organically. I know, it's crazy. It's absolutely wild. But once upon a time, people were normal. And once upon a time, you see someone, you see someone, hi, hi, I'm sure, hi. Right? It's incredible. It's incredible, people, right? So again, in a controlled environment, in a controlled environment, right? Bikdusha ubitara, choreographed by the Mishnah, there is a way to be normal. There is a way to be normal. It's possible. Okay. We live in different, different times, obviously. The world has changed so much. But it is fascinating to see what the Gimar says. By the way, you're looking for a girl? You're looking for a girl? Fantastic. They're out in the fields dancing. Why, why don't you go and meet someone? Right? Put yourself together. Right? Change that shirt that you've been wearing for three weeks. Right? And go ahead. Right? Go and meet someone. Go and meet someone. Says the Gimar as follows. So, Misha in Loisha Nif Nalasham. So, what's that is incredible. So remember again, the girls would say different things. Listen to this. Different girls said different things to the boys. The, the, the women who were pretty, the women who were beautiful, what would they say? They would tell the young men, choose a bride based on beauty. Literally translated, it means for a woman is only for beauty. What does this mean? So they were saying to the boys, their attraction Right? Attraction is such an important thing. So choose your wife based on attraction. Everything else you could work out, but attraction, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. So ultimately, again, choose a wife based on attraction. The girls who had good yichos, right? I mean, they came from good families. What would they say? What would they say? Go ahead and look at the family. In other words, don't just get focused on beauty, right? But rather look at the family which a girl comes from. Because what's the goal of a marriage? The goal of a marriage, hopefully, is the establishment of a family. And ultimately, again, if a girl comes from a good family, woman comes from a good family, hopefully she will know how to raise good children. So the girls who weren't as beautiful and the girls who perhaps ultimately, again, maybe didn't come from the best families, what would they say? What would they say? Marry a woman for the sake of shame. What they were saying ultimately was to these young men is, look, beauty comes and goes. Family, family is nice, but the truth is the family you came from is no guarantee about the family, about the family you're going to build. But rather, again, the Marshall points out, what they were saying is, why don't you look at the midos of a girl? <laughs> Instead of, you see, looks are external. Even family is something external. As much as it's beautiful that, yes, to marry someone from a wonderful family, I'll say there are plenty of people who come from wonderful families and make dramatically different life decisions. The family you come from is no guarantee about who you're going to become. So the cause of Mikhoaros means the girls who weren't pretty. The Marsha says it doesn't mean that. It's just talking about girls who said, don't focus on external things when choosing a spouse. Because looks come and go. They're not unimportant. But that can't be the sole determinant because they come and go. Family? Family is great, but it's not necessarily determinant of who you are or what you're going to build. But rather, again, what should you do? Look at who I am. Literally, it means married for the sake of heaven. But what it means is the girls were saying, look at my midos. Look at who I am. Look at my qualities as a human being. And you'll see, ultimately, again, I have so much to offer. This is great. But you have to buy me jewelry. But you have to buy me jewelry, right? Uh, however, right? So, so, so the, the idea, the girls were saying, you know, as, as much as at the end of the day, it's not about the externalities, but jewelry is nice. Jewelry is nice. Which the Marisha also points out that again, what the girls are also saying is, even if you think I'm not attractive, with the right accessories, ultimately, again, the attraction could be there. Amr Ula Bira, Amr Belazar. So we'll say the Gemara ends. So we'll say, so just to point out, so this is what would happen on two Ba'av. This is what would happen on two Ba'av. And I will say, actually, it's quite amazing. It makes sense that this would happen on two Ba'av because you see that the first of the two six reasons were all about marriage. 
Right? So all about marriage. Shvatim can marry into each other. Shevet Binyamin is allowed back into the union. So it makes sense that two Ba'av was a day of Shiduchim. It was a day of Shiduchim. And the Gemara says, what would happen? What would happen? The girls would go out. And again, the girls would go out. And di- diff- different women, different girls had different things to offer. So some people, all they have is to offer is looks. Other people have ultimately yichos. Some people have midos. Some people have everything. But the idea is, they said to the young men, if you're looking for a shidduch, ultimately again, tu ba'av is the day to go. And I will say the beautiful part of it was, see here's what's interesting is, all the girls, all the women are borrowing clothing from each other in order that no one should present differently than their fellow. To create, to a certain degree, a great equalizer within Kalali. So it's really, really quite beautiful. It's actually be interesting to know historically like how many Shiduchim came out of these types of gatherings. I don't know, the Gemara doesn't tell us that. We'll say, but let's end off. We'll say a beautiful and moving Gemara. Amir Abel Azar. Ultimately, again, we'll make a machal. I'll say machal is a circle. A circle for the tzaddikim. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu ultimately, again, will sit. Rashi says machal is saviv. We'll sit. So we'll say, if you could imagine the imagery, what happens in the afterlife in Gan Eden, so ultimately, I get, or it could also be a reference to the Messianic era, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will create a circle for the Tzaddikim. And the Tzaddikim sit all around HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And every single person, the Rosh is in the middle of the circle. And all of the Tzaddikim point with their finger and they say, They will say on that day, Here is our God. So we'll say it's a reference to the fact that in Gan Eden, they're pointing at HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Here is our God. This is the God we had always hoped for. This is the God we had always pined for. The Yoshienu. And this is the God who ultimately provides our salvation. This is the God we had hoped for, we had pined for. Ultimately, again, we will rejoice. And we will rejoice, we will celebrate in His salvation. So I will say, I share with you something beautiful. The Bnei Yisachar, the Bnei Yisachar quotes this idea, quotes over here from the Abdurah, from the Oyer Yisrael. He says, what's the pshat, what's the imagery over here that the tzaddikim are sitting in a circle around that Kodesh Baruch Hu, and they're pointing towards the Rebbe Shalom. So listen to these words Rebbe said, this is beautiful. He says, he says, this ties in, this is all part of the same Gemara. He says, this is also part of the two Ba'av Gemara. How so? Rebbe said, listen to this. Dihine, inyon ha-machol hu, ha-holich b'machol, holich saviv saviv behekif, so we'll say the Bnei Yisachar says so beautifully that you know at the end of the day the beauty of a circle is there is no beginning, there is no end. Right? No one's at the front of the circle, no one's at the back of the circle. Right? The circle is the same and again if it's a good circle everyone is equidistant to the center. To the center. Listen to what the Rabbi says. Kain lo la'asid kina v'sina lomar so I'll say, ultimately, again, says the Bnei Yisras, according to the Abdur of the Oiv Yisrael, sometimes even amongst the tzaddikim of the generation, there's animosity and there's strife. This one says, I'm greater. This one says, I'm greater. This one disparages this one. This one says, no, you're wrong. You're this, you're that. And sometimes even amongst the tzaddikim of the generation, there is strife and discord. What happens in Gan Eden? In Gan Eden, all of the tzaddikim are in a circle. In Gan Eden, ultimately again, there is no kina, there is no sinna, there is no jealousy, there is no animosity. V'hu hu yamtiv Yisrael kishe'en b'neihem kina v'sinna v'sachar. So I will say, what's the ultimate yamtiv for Klav Yisrael? The ultimate yamtiv? When there is shalom between leaders. When there is shalom between tzaddikim. You see, if the tzaddikim argue, 
then of course their constituents are going to argue. If the leaders argue, then of course the followers are going to argue. The ultimate yomtiv says the B'nai Yisachar is when the tzaddikim are dancing in a circle around that Kodesh Baruch Hu, when the tzaddikim could hold hands, when the tzaddikim could be makir each other, when the tzaddikim could respect one another, when the tzaddikim, when there's no kinah, there's no sinah, and everyone together points at HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's a yomtiv. So says the B'nai Yisachar, what does this have to do with Tuba? Rabbi said, listen to this. He says, There is no gradient of the Mishnah says in Tuba. Rabbi said, two is 15. What's the 15th letter of the Hebrew alphabet? Says the Bnei Yisachar. It's a Samach. It's a Samach. And Rabbi said, what's the Samach? The Samach is a circle. There is no greater yomtiv than two, than the 15th letter of the Aleph base, the Samech, the circle, that when the Tzadikim, Tzadikim are ultimately again making the Macho, ultimately again making the circle around that Kaddish Baruch Hu, when there's Shalom amongst the Tzadikim, when there's Shalom amongst the leaders, that Shalom trickles down to the constituents as well. And when there's Shalom that's ultimately when all of us could point to HaKadosh Baruch and we could say, Zeh Elokeinu, Zeh Kivinu Lo V'yoshinu, Zeh Hashem Kivinu Lo, Nagila V'nis Melcha I'll end off with one last piece, really end off with the last piece. We'll say it's also amazing because the word Machol doesn't just mean, doesn't just mean circle. What else does Machol mean? Macholach, forgiven. That perhaps what also happens is as follows. That sometimes there is a lot of discord, there is a lot of Machogas, there is a lot of fighting. But sometimes people really do have the right intentions. Just the execution and the actualization of those intentions are flawed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Asala HaKadosh Baruch Hu Machol. Asala HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lasos Machol LeTzadikim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will grant Nechila to the Tzadikim if their intentions were L'Shem Shamayim. If their intentions were for the good purposes, even if what? Even if at the end of the day the execution was a little bit flawed. There'll be mechilo. If you have good intentions, but you kind of burn out on the execution, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'll grant you mechilo. But Rabbi look how the Masechta ends. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from us more than anything? He just wants us to dance in a circle. He just wants us to dance in a circle. He wants us not to fight. He wants us not to say, I'm better than you. I know more than you. I know this, I know that. I have this, you don't have. He just wants us to dance in a circle recognizing that we are all the same distance, and not even this, we're all the same closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's all the Ribbono Shal Olam wants. And when we find the courage to dance in a circle with each other, stop trying to one-up the other, stop trying to prove the other wrong, but we're willing to live B'Shalom, hold hands, and dance together around HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's when we'll be zochet to say, Hine Elokeinu That's when we'll be zochet to see the Ribbono in such a real way that will be able to say, this is my Ribbono Shalom. Rabosai, Mazel Tov on Masechas, on Masechas Tainis, Bishatov Masechas, tomorrow we begin Masechas Megillah. Shkayach, everyone.